0: Should we get into this? (laughs) Are we good? We're recording? All right, everybody. What is up? Welcome back to Sacred Odyssey, (laughs) the number one spiritual podcast in the world. (laughs) We are here with my very good friend, long lost soulmate, Kinsey Sellers. Hi. Welcome to the pod.
1: Thanks. You excited to be here? Yeah. We have a lot to
0: talk about. You're nervous? Yeah. Well, this has been long overdue. We've wanted to have a discussion. Uh, before I kind of throw this big question at you, because I want to ask you, uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Give us like a like a four-minute bio, kind of of who you are and how you got here.
1: Okay. Um, I am a hairstylist. That is my job. But I actually got uh, certified as a Dream Method coach last year. So I am stepping into... Personal coaching, it's kind of business coaching, but life coaching, all of the things kind of put together. I've um, been doing hair for 13 years now. It's kind of the only job I've ever had, so stepping into the coaching space has been really fun. But I felt called to it for a long time, so um, that's really exciting to kind of add more things to my repertoire. Um, I'm from Arizona. I moved to Utah about 10 years ago, which has been crazy. Um, to be part of this, like, spiritual community. Um, Yeah, I'm a dancer. I love music. Mm. I love all the spiritual things. I read a lot. Um, Yeah, that's kind of enough about
0: me. You said you got dream method. That's what you said, right? Explain dream method coaching.
1: So basically, it's just a specific type of coaching. It helps kind of get clear on what it is you want, like what is your dream in Mm. your life. And that can be in business. It can be in, like, personal relationships. It can be in any capacity. Um, And it's just, it helps people get clear on what they want so that we can help get them there.
0: And how do you do that?
1: We, we start by identifying what's holding them back. Like what is your distraction? What is, what is you feel like the story that you're holding on to Um, the story that people I think really identify with tends to um, keep them, small and they obviously Mm. step into wanting a coach for a reason and they 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 think they know what they want I think what I found in my experience is they come to you with a specific problem and the coach's job has been to identify actually this is what's going on here's the root of the issue Mm. and so dream just kind of goes through this whole method of of how we can identify that issue and really help people get clear on what they want and what their dream is Mm. so I'm guessing yeah. that
0: first started with you as your own client. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's a process. Yeah, It really is. I resonate with that because I think we do initially think we know what we want. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times you get it and you're like, yeah. oh, that's, that's not exactly what I wanted.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Then
0: we kind of recalibrate.
1: Yeah, exactly. That was, that's pretty much what happened with me, which is why like coaching has been fairly new for me because I went into getting certified thinking that I was like, oh, I wanna train hairstylists. I wanna like teach them how to market and like get from A to B and like, this is my story and this is what I went through. And then I went through this whole journey with myself that I had no idea that I was going to embark on. And mm-hmm. you know, it was about a four or five month process of like, okay, wow, like a lot of things need to be burned to the ground in my personal experience. And realizing that like that isn't what I was meant for. And Mm -hmm. it was like so many things in like my personal life and like my career completely changed. And as I went through this kind of like Phoenix from the ashes moment, it was very apparent to me that I was like, okay, I was living in this place and I'm actually meant to be over here and and teaching in in this capacity. And I found (laughs) through that whole burning to the ground and, and rising again process to be really refining and really awesome. So so for of.
0: people who are in that position, how did you know that? Like when you say I was here but needed to be here, how did you know that?
2: Yeah, was there like an event that you first saw and you were like, oh, and it made you rethink basically everything?
1: I kind of just followed where I felt called. Like that's, that's pretty stereotypical I think advice for most people is I just felt like I was like okay I know I'm supposed to go here but I don't know what that's going to look like and like I was saying, like I went in thinking I was going to go through this specific training I'm going to be a coach for hairstylists and then I went through this whole process and I, I think it's more about submitting to the process and allowing it to like teach you and talk to you. And for for me, it was just a lot of like intuition, a lot of being like, okay, I I know I'm supposed to be here. And I kept feeling that like alignment, but I was like, this feels a little scary Mm -hmm. because I have to let go of a lot of things, a lot of comfort, a lot of familiarity and like who I thought I was going to be. Mm. That makes sense. And so I just, for me, it was just a lot of trust and listening to my inner voice. And because it was a whole like in-person retreat, I kind of didn't really have any other choice. (laughs) I was completely at like, you know, with myself the whole weekend. And I was with people who knew me well and were, you know, continuously teaching and speaking on these things. So I couldn't avoid it even if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so in that process, I was like, well, (laughs) I don't really have a choice here. So I was like, I might as well just go full send. And then I allowed it to kind of unfold as, as the pings would come, I allowed my life to unfold like the next months. And obviously it was like, I couldn't just like completely come back and like burn Rome to the ground. It was kind of like, okay, one step at a time. Yeah. But I had to keep going back to that feeling that I was feeling when I was there.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that was hard. But Did huge. you
0: resist that at all in the beginning? Like that yeah. process of surrender? So yeah. what was the thing that finally allowed you to be like, all right, I can't, I have to just let go. I can't resist anymore.
1: The more I committed to like alone time with myself, mm-hmm. the more I couldn't, yeah, resist it. The more
0: interesting it was
1: like, and and I'd spent. That's what I realized. I had spent years prior, kind of being distracted by a lot of things, like whether I was like busy, or like in a relationship where the other person's needs came before mine. It was just very much like I couldn't catch up to the things I was feeling and didn't have time to like listen to that voice. And so, because I was stepping into coaching, I was like, well. Now I have to practice what I preach. So yeah. I have to do these things I'm telling people to spend time with themselves and learn about alignment and figure out what the distraction is and get to the root of the issue and I was like, "Well, I'm not going to be a very good coach if I can't do it for myself." And so that was the beginning of the process. But I definitely resisted. It was I definitely had to do like one step at a time otherwise it was kind of a little traumatic. I was like, "Oh my gosh, my life's going to like fall apart."
2: Yeah. <laughs> I have a I have a question on intuition cuz you're saying you you know at the beginning when you were first trying to understand all this you would listen to your intuition a lot what does that what does that look like for you what does that feel like for you
1: um for me it's a lot of quiet time um now that i i know what my intuition sounds like it it's easy for me to distinguish but when i was really distracted and and disconnected from myself it often came to me sometimes as like anxiety like it felt like it was like you need to reconnect like you're feeling disconnected and so I, I started to listen to that. I'm like, okay, anxiety is telling me that I'm out of alignment right now. Um, but now that I'm in a, like, a much better place mentally, I feel like for me, it, it's quiet, it's calm, it's very um, soothing. It's like in the morning when I'm like you know, doing my morning walk or I'm like journaling or I'm meditating or you know all the spiritual practices that a lot of people do, um, I will just feel and just know. And I feel like it's like that that feeling where you're just like, yep. And it just clicks and you just have this like feeling of knowing. For me, that's what it feels like.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. When I look back on my, it's funny because when I look back on my journey, the thing that was the biggest catalyst was solitude. But as you become more busy and step more into alignment of who you are, you then, at least for me, it becomes harder to prioritize that. And Mm -hmm. I've noticed that lately of stepping more and more away from the quietness and the solitude that I actually really need. And I think that's huge right now for people. Like it's so noisy. Yeah. It's so noisy in the world. And I love that we're talking about coaching because you have both the light and the shadow side of coaching, right? There's mm-hmm. so many coaches out there that like, I can't critique or judge, but like I feel like they shouldn't maybe be coaches, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, the it's really difficult because it's not a regulated industry. Yeah. And so there's a lot of noise and you'll hear one good piece of advice, but then you'll hear a completely contradictory piece of advice, but it's still good advice. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, which one is which? And I feel mm-hmm. like we're in this time where if we're not prioritizing that quietness, that stillness, that solitude, it becomes so much harder to identify that intuition and then get in alignment
1: yeah it's a process yeah it is and that's like the thing with advice is i I don't want to be the person that's an expert over someone else's life i want to teach them to be the expert over their own life i want to help like teach practices of how you can come back to yourself i don't want to be the one that's like here's what you do here's how you do it it's like okay how do you feel the most aligned what what lights you up follow your curiosity things like that yeah. um, what what makes you feel peace and calm like but based off of like feelings and then also identifying what their spiritual gifts are i think that's super huge because not everyone has like a super strong and intuitive voice i think that is more work for some people so their um intuitive practice might look different and yeah. that's just might take more time and starting to understand that so i think that's such a huge thing with coaching and that's what i had to kind of facilitate with myself i had to learn to be like the steward of myself so that i could teach people to do the same thing and then like your process might look different than mine and that's okay i'm not going to teach you what to do i'm going to help you figure out the answer for yourself
0: you know? mm-hmm. So, And I think we're also rewriting the narrative around coaching itself. Mm-hmm. Like, at least for me, I used to think coaches were the ones that were like ascended masters mm-hmm. who had like it figured out. And yeah. now I'm like, coaches are actually just the ones who had to kind of go through that journey themselves, kind of that dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. And they picked up some things and experiences along the way that can then assist people who are on that same path. Yeah. And so I see a future where we'll actually have a lot of conscious coaches of people who are just offering their different unique expression Mm -hmm. and certain people will resonate just with that style and that standard of that person. Yeah, exactly. I think we'll see big movement towards that.
1: Yeah. And I I share a lot like your message, your message. So that like talking about your experience and what you've been through in that whole dark night of the soul will attract the right people who are either in the same place and resonate with your message. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, I'm the expert over this topic. You're just sharing like things that you're passionate about, you're sharing your story and your experience and, and the right people will come to you. That's worked for well, me. What's your advice so, for um,
0: people that are scared to do that?
1: I mean, it kind of just goes back to like following the pings. Like fear is normal. I, I think sometimes people listen to that voice in a way that keeps them small instead of being like fear is because it's trying to keep me in my comfort zone. So kind of question what is your fear telling you if you're scared to do something because you don't want to look stupid or you're afraid of rejection or what is the story that you're feeling afraid of around or challenge it and be like, maybe I'm just afraid of my own power. If Mm -hmm. I follow this, you know, something will have to change. People are resistant to change, I think, too, like. For me, that was part of my story. I, I was afraid of my own power. I was afraid to step in to the light because if I stepped into the light, then I could be seen. And if I was seen, then I could be rejected. And that was hard for me. Mm-hmm. And I had to challenge that story often and be like, well, it's actually not my inadequacy that, that scares me. It's my power. So, you know, challenging the fear story and and being like, well, maybe this, this fear is telling me that that's the direction I should go. I believe that more mm-hmm. often than not, that's the way to go.
2: Amen. (laughs) I saw something a few weeks ago and it was like, your mind is supposed to, is meant to keep you alive, not happy. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you focus on what your mind and what your body is telling you, it could be misconstrued, construed in a way where it's like, you know, meant just for survival and not, not happiness or pleasure. So when, whenever, when somebody asks me about, how I went through this journey, or like whatever, you know, how I got through those dark those dark times. I think the best thing that helped me was stepping out of what I felt at the moment to understand what I what I wanted in the future, mm-hmm. and kind of like not not get stuck in where I am right now, but focus on what I want in the future. And I think coaching is the best way to do that is to give somebody an endpoint or help them see an endpoint to get to, mm-hmm. so they don't they don't they're not focusing on their past or where they're where they're at right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can I, what's the vision of the future that I want to paint for myself? And then how can I get there? And coaching is, you know, the best way to do that. I think yeah. right now, and I think we're stepping into a, like you said, a time where coaching will be super important, but it's not like focusing on finding a coach. It's focusing on a coach that'll teach you about your power yeah. within yourself yeah. and finding it all, you know, back around.
1: Because people just want to be seen, you know, mm-hmm. they, and coaches are great at holding space for that. They can, they can see you and they can validate you and help you get to that place. And it's just a great place for space holding and connection. And that's two of the most important things that humans are hardwired to want. You know, right?
0: Yeah. So. what do you in all the people that you've worked with or are working with, what do you find holds people back the most?
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely fear. Um, I think that's pretty common fear of um, looking a certain way people's mm. opinions. Um, at least in my industry that has been really common. I tend to coach hairstylists just because that's, um, a lot of my following. <laughs> yeah. So I've worked with so far. Um, but well, I have, do you find
0: though that in coaching hairstylists, it almost has nothing to do with hair. Yeah. Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah they come to you that. being like, Oh, like you're, you've been doing this for this long and this was your result. Can you teach me? And, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I, I heard something else. We're going to talk about that story first, <laughs> yeah. you know, about something yeah. that holds them back. And, and you know, a, lo- a couple of the girls I've worked with have told me that they're afraid to share their vulnerabilities or like their beliefs about things because mm. they feel like they'll be rejected um, or people don't want to see that. I hear that a lot. Um, they think that people don't want to see that. And I was like, but isn't that the reason you came to me? Because that's what I was sharing. I was like, isn't that funny that like that drew you to me, but you, you don't want to share that with anyone else? Mm. And I was like, it's the exact thing people actually want to see. And we're not talking about like trauma bonding or any of that. We're just talking about like, you know, sharing the things that you struggle with and the beliefs that you have and your story, just sharing who you are, that you are your brand and things like that. So I think fear of other people's opinions has been probably the most common one that I've dealt with.
0: Isn't that so fascinating? Mm -hmm. Because it's such a petty little thing if you actually think about Mm -hmm. it. And yet it just cripples people, Mm -hmm. absolutely cripples people. And I I get it because it's like it triggers real emotions, Mm -hmm. real feelings. But it's such a small obstacle in the face of humanity that if we could get over, we would transcend so many limiting beliefs. So many things. We would create such deeper connection.
1: Yeah. And that's what people are ultimately searching for. And then they don't let themselves get there because they're afraid of other people's opinions. So they become this like performative version of themselves to where they think they're getting what they need. And I'm like, you're actually losing by doing that because you're not getting authentic connection and you're performing in yourself and you're Mm -hmm. getting people to like you for who you want, who like you think that or who they think you should be. And it's like, it's not, it's not even authentic. So you're not getting Mm -hmm. the authentic connection or, or validation that you want anyways. So yeah. you're shooting yourself in the foot doing it that way. So it's far less scary to be real and put yourself out there and share your message than it is to. Yeah. Well, enough. and that's
2: what people connect to most is like mm-hmm. when you share your your bad days and your ugly moments,
1: mm-hmm. people
2: don't want to see like the perfect version of you. They want to see you yeah. exactly how you show up day to day. And so when you share those vulnerable moments, that's when people are like, okay, I can actually connect to the, her more. Yeah. Oh, actually, I can actually connect to him more and that's yeah. like, That's what the authenticity means. It's not, hey, let's share our best moments and like connect over all the good stuff. But when you're like in a conversation crying together and talking about, you know, I'm really lost right now. I have no idea what I'm doing. And then you're you're like, oh, I'm feeling the same way. And then you try to figure out the step to take next together. Mm -hmm. That's like the connection that people are craving. And that's the connection that is built when you are powerful enough and courageous enough to step into vulnerability side and Mm -hmm. express that side of you
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so speaking of vulnerability kinsey the dream coach Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) What, (laughs) what do you feel like you're processing right now
1: processing um i feel like i am still coming home to myself i've told you that um which has been a fun process to help coach people because I'm coaching them from where I was at, you know, the beginning of my process where I'm, you know, 10 steps ahead right now, but I'm still working through that. And, and also learning to surrender and let go. Um, I think that that's always been a struggle for me, Um, wanting to control the outcome of things. And that's most people's issue. Like with anxiety, you know, you want to prevent future pain Um, and also just, you know, rooted in trauma. Sometimes you just don't want to feel things you've already felt before. And so you try to control things. So I'm just starting to step into a place where I realize that I don't have a ton of that, especially with like Mm. the political climate and like the world and what it's stepping into. And, you know, COVID started this kind of a snowball effect that it's like, all right, like we're going to have to gear up for (laughs) some stuff. And that for me, I've, I've had to learn to um, release things that the world is feeling. And and then I feel like I've taken on energetically, and that I can still be, you know, a lighthouse and be steadfast in the storm. Mm. So being being that while also learning to release any control that I have over the future.
0: Yeah, and what has so, that felt like, that journey?
1: At first it's been scary because it feels, um, I guess triggering isn't the right word. Does it feel threatening? Yeah, at first it did, definitely. feel Like feeling like, all right, I have to like free fall into the black yeah. <laughs> it was hard for me. Um, but it, it, it kind of was a gentle nudge for me because I felt like I had no choice. And when, what I've been through in the last six months is kind of just like, well, you, you either choose your heart, you stay where you play small or you step into the unknown and you release anything that you know, and both are hard. So yeah. which one, you know, and, and it was a gentle nudge. And then as, as like steps went along, I was like, wow, this is actually a lot less scary than I thought it was. And the unknown is only scary because of the ego and what it tells you that it's unfamiliar. It doesn't mean it's as scary as we think it is. Yeah.
0: I think with that process, the thing that comes to my mind with that whole process that we all go through is that there's this, I feel like this underlying concept of grief in that we don't know how to grieve very Mm -hmm. well as humans. And I don't think we've been taught how to grieve. And I think Mm -hmm. it's actually a skill, if Mm -hmm. not a gift. And there is in that process of surrender I think part of what makes it difficult is that you're grieving the loss of your old self, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. it's not just like this letting go of like, oh, I trust that I'll fall into this feather bed of joy. It's like, but I worked so hard to become that person, Mm -hmm. even though I know that's no longer serving me, I have to let that go and step into this unknown of this person I've never been before. Mm -hmm. And I think that grieving process is, really under talked about. Mm-hmm. And it cuz it can, it can be a really painful process and just a very sad process of like do I have permission to be sad mm-hmm. for like losing myself? Mm-hmm. Like do I have permission for that? And if I do, who gives it to me? It's like it's it's myself. Yeah. So like what's your relationship with grief? And do you resonate with that that there's grief within that?
1: Oh yes, totally. And I mean, to, for me, it's felt like a lot of different layers of grief. Um, and it's the same with healing. It's like, I think they're one of the same. Um, but as as things come up, you like deal with them, you grieve them, you process, you let go, and then you get to this next level. And there's like, I, at least for me, I would say, I thought I dealt with this. I thought I've, I've, thought I've, yeah. I've done this already. And it was just oh, like, no, I but it's, resonate
2: a, with that. Yeah. it's a
1: new layer that comes up <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, there's, there's more to it. And I don't know... My relationship with grief is interesting because old versions of me definitely identified with it too much mm. um, to where it was comfortable to be in my sorrow um, and maybe even victimize myself in, in certain scenarios. And so I had to learn to detach from, from things that I identify with. And that's what I, I coach with a lot as well, coach on, is all the things we identify with, including grief, including um, the story that we had in our minds about who we were or who we thought we were, and you know, for me, even the past six months has been a lot of um, grieving a life that I thought I would have. I thought yeah. I was going in a certain direction, and and certain people in my life who have fallen away. And that's that's another layer of grief they don't talk to you about is that the people that you lose when you when you choose yourself and you grow, the people that you lose, and and it's lonely. Yeah. Um, that darkness can be lonely. But what kept me going with that fire was like. I pick her for the first time ever in my life I've chosen myself and I didn't know what that felt like but the peace that came along with it kept me going and I was like I'll I'll, I can't choose anything else now because I I don't know any different and I just it's amazing but yeah grief is like an onion lots of layers yeah (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. and there's a lot of i kind of felt that when you said that because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. everybody did everybody at home, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that one hit me. yeah. there's such a there's like a little dose of loneliness that that comes with grieving mm-hmm. and i think that sometimes when i lived at the monastery with the monks one of the mantras that they would always repeat every morning was everything is impermanent mm. and they would really teach you that like remember everything is impermanent nothing lasts this too shall pass and that's both the highs and the lows And I think sometimes in that grieving process, that can be difficult, Mm -hmm. especially when you meet people who, I'm thinking of a very specific circumstance right now, but you meet people who are just so great and they're like in your life and they add to it. But at the same time, life must continue and you got to keep growing. And some of those people just can't match that vibration. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this constant process of like pushing and growing. And sometimes you're just like, Does this end? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. do I just continue to expand and expand and there's no rest and there's no like, and everything that doesn't serve just falls away. And some of those paths are just lonely and it's, Mm -hmm. it's such a process.
2: Yeah. When does that work end?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to get there. Yeah. Really?
2: And wanting people to
1: come with me too. Yeah. That's another part of letting go that I've had to really, really work on because I, in in my mind, it was like, well, I love you enough. I want to challenge you and push you. And I like, we're, we're going places just like, come like, come on. Like Mm -hmm. we're, we're doing things. Come on, you know, but you can't make people grow. You can't make them change. You can't make them come with you. Even, even if you want them to. And that's hard for me to let go of too, because I want everyone to just like be their best and be like, Mm -hmm. all right, I'll pack you on my back and just like bring you with me. But it's like, that only weighed me down yeah for most of my life so that was hard yeah for me
0: yeah that that was one of the things that before this i was telling you i was doing a, a little hop a session and that mm-hmm. that was one of the downloads that came through is that like even until death even until darkness you have yourself so it's like you are your greatest priority your greatest asset mm-hmm. not only to then serve others but like you are the only thing you have mm-hmm. The only, everything else yeah. is transient. Everything mm-hmm. else will come and go, including people. But like the only thing you have consistently, the one thing that's been there for your dark and your light moments is you. Yeah. And so it, it like plays on the importance of really fostering that relationship
2: with ourselves. Yeah. Well, and there's two sides of that coin. When when people say that, that could be very lonely. Mm-hmm. I only have myself like, damn, okay, well, Yeah. here we go. I guess I just gotta do it all by myself. <laughs> But then it's also empowering. You know, what's the difference between those two those two perspectives on whether, like, the power's on you and you accept that and you're like, "All right, I got this. I'm going to become strong because of it." And then when people think, "Oh, well, the power's on me," crap, now I got to step up. Mm-hmm. What do you think the difference between those two perspectives are?
1: I think just victim mindset versus creator empowered mindset. Mm-hmm. It's like you you decide the meaning of that. You know, you decide if it's going to motivate you or if it's going to cripple you. And I think when when you have no choice, when your back's to the wall, you kind of are like, well, I get to I I either have to do this or I wither away. Like Mm -hmm. you have two choices. And Mm. I think reality is, is you only have one choice. You only have to rise because your back's against the wall. So I think people really see what they're made of when they like are faced with that kind of dichotomy there. And I think
2: I think people need to put themselves in those types of situations more. Mm-hmm. Like burn the boats yeah. and let it be your only option yeah. because then burn you'll the find a way. Yes. You'll find a way to succeed.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and I think that coming full circle back to what Kinsey said about power of like being afraid of your own power, I think there's a lot of power in decision of like realizing that like, oh shoot, like beliefs are decisions mm-hmm. and I decide where my life goes. And that's mm-hmm. like a lot of that's a lot of accountability. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of power that then gets put on your shoulders. Cause it's like, dude, if you don't like your life, I'm sorry, but like it's cause of you. It's mm-hmm. your fault. It's your yeah, decisions. Yeah. Like it's not to say things externally haven't happened to you, mm-hmm. but it's ultimately we are the creators of our reality. And I think to really actually accept that internally. I mean, you're accepting everything. Mm-hmm. You're accepting that all the bad things you don't like in your life currently right now are your fault.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's kind of like, whew, yeah. that's heavy yeah. for a lot of people to accept.
1: It's hard. But you can also flip it on its head and, and say, well, if my life is my fault, it's also something I can completely change. So I can yeah. decide tomorrow and be like, eh, I want to do this. My reality is going to look like this now. Yeah. And if you truly believe it, it's the power of quantum physics, but if you truly believe that you can completely change your reality so instead of allowing it to cripple you you'd be like well (laughs) I'm the boss here like I decide (laughs) whatever and so yeah creator versus victim
2: yeah into all that stuff quantum physics and like (laughs) manifestation the science behind it yes yes I know what you mean
1: yeah I've loved physics since I was in high school and I never understood why at first because I was like, this is kind of like a nerdy science. And then I got more into like quantum sort of coming out and I was like, ah, makes sense. Yep. So mm-hmm. what I teach a lot too is like follow your curiosity because I'm like when you're like into something, even if it doesn't really make sense, it usually does later on down the road. And it yeah. has to do with your purpose. And yeah. so it's so magnetic when you like follow that because you're like, it always makes sense later on down the road. Yeah. Comes full circle.
0: So in your times where you're going through either grief or new limiting beliefs you're overcoming or just new layers you're working through, what kind of makes you grounded, A and B, what brings you joy?
1: Mm, Two good questions. Um, My human design chart actually talks a lot about, or shows that I'm like full, my root chakras are completely open. I am Mm. not a grounded person. So I tend to surround myself with- The Pisces,
0: I never would have imagined. who would
1: have thought? (laughs) I am like full heart and head, like just all up here. And so for me, I get told repeatedly by energy workers and coaches that like grounding practice is very important for me. So I actually like eat like root vegetables. That Mm. really helps, Mm. weirdly. I eat those a lot like potatoes and some. uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones Um, and actually putting my feet in the earth every day um, that has like seriously helped me but also I have some a couple people in my life who are extremely grounded in their energy and I feel like when I kind of bounce ideas off of them that really helps. But then my, again, like morning practice, evening practice of just checking in with myself kind of brings me back home. Cause I will go out into the world and, and work and just be like all out there, a lot of passion. And I'm like dealing with a lot of people all day long and other people's energies. And then I'm like, okay, come home and like, whew, like you gotta yeah. get back to you. Um, so those are a couple of my processes. And what was your other question?
0: What brings you joy?
1: Brings me joy. I love that question. Um, this kind of stuff, conversations about yeah. deep things. I feel like I, I thrive on that. And helping people see themselves and see their power because mm. I know that that's brought me joy for doing that for myself um, and sharing. I'm a big sharer. Like I'm always sharing knowledge and things I learn all the time. So, I mean, there's so many things, the mountains, the sunshine, people, connection. The little bits of gratitude. Yeah, <laughs> just a little, like there's so many things that that bring me joy. but. You know, these kind of conversations and, and being with people and creating that depth and that connection. I mean, I would have one. to
0: say that, like, helping people see themselves has got to be one of the most fulfilling feelings ever. Mm-hmm. Of just like when you see that light bulb moment of they're mm-hmm. like, wait, that's my gift. Yeah, Like Uh it's such a fulfilling feeling Mm -hmm. because we live in such a society of pretty low Mm self-worth. And so if you can turn someone onto that, oh, that's so fulfilling for both sides.
1: Yeah, totally. And I remember when you did a presentation at the Tally uh, event, what was that last year? Yeah. You talked about that and you're talking about like spiritual gifts. And I remember that was the very beginning of my process, even before I think that I would really stepped into. And I remember you asked people what their spiritual gifts are. And I turned to one of my friends and I was like, what am I good at? Like I, I literally asked that because I was so disconnected and and I didn't know how to like own my power and step in that space. I was not even close to there yet. And I just always second guess myself. And I remember being like, what's my power? And now it's just like, when you tell me, I'm like, I got this, you know? Well, well, is. What, what, is yeah, say, what is your power? I was <laughs> gonna say, what is <laughs> your um, power? I mean, I feel like my greatest gift is helping people see themselves because mm. I spent so much of my life not seeing myself, so I know what that feels like. I know what it looks like, and so I, I tend to attract people who are in the same same space because I'm like, trust me, I get it. I actually had I was gonna tell this story. I had a mentor tell me one time. Um, it was a hair conference, and I went up to him, and I this was in his in a headspace where I wanted to be recognized for all of my work that I'd done with this training program, and I told him I was like, I want you to see me. I literally said that and he he grabbed my face and he's like it has never been about me seeing you it's about you seeing you mm-hmm. and in that moment that was four years ago in that moment I like was like emotional and I remember like thinking oh my gosh like that was so profound and I still like it it didn't really click for me until the past six months that, that seed was planted four years ago and now I, I see it now it's like okay, I couldn't actually be this person until I actually recognized myself and my own power and my own spiritual gifts. And I think that that's the the root of everything for everyone else too. Like we we can't actually live our purpose until we see ourselves for who and what we are.
0: Yeah. So. And how what does that process look like? Because this is like if people could understand this, at least even to start planting the seeds – it would be extremely powerful and practical. So it's like, yeah. how do people begin to see themselves? Because for most people, they don't even have the awareness that they need to see themselves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you're with someone, it's like, what? how do you start to actually move them through this process of seeing themselves deeply?
1: Practically, I start with telling clients, I, I say, go to all of your trusted family and friends and ask them, what are your spiritual gifts? Ask them what what they think comes naturally to you, and start there. Because if you can't if you can't see what your gifts are, then ask people that you trust, and to see and start noticing like common themes, and then spending time with yourself to be like, okay, what is my easy breezy genius? What comes to me easily? What do I enjoy doing that like actually brings this feeling of like lighting myself up? Again, following curiosity. Where are you curious? What are you drawn to in life? Um, and kind of bring all of that together in a a list and start to be like, okay, this, this is what I think my essence is. And then practically go into a routine daily of like checking in with yourself, learning yeah. to hear your own voice, learning to recognize the voice of fear and the, and the voice of intuition. Um, that was my process for a very long time. I confused the two for a very, very long time. And that yeah. was rooted in trauma. And, you know, you got to process those things and, and understand what that voice is telling you as well. But that's kind of where I would start. Yeah. Um, But I think I don't think anyone can can know themselves without like mindfulness and without quality alone time. Like at least thirty minutes a day, probably an hour. (laughs) More people who are super distracted and disconnected and feel like that's like people who are reacting to me saying an hour a day are the ones that need to do that the most. You know? (laughs) Well, and and it
0: only makes sense because if you think about it, it's like how do you get to know someone else? Mm -hmm. It's like you spend time with them. When you date someone, you really spend time with them. Mm -hmm. And over time you're getting to know them. So it's like, why would it be any different for ourselves? Yeah. It's like, how often do we actually date ourselves and spend time with ourselves? Mm -hmm. And that's where the real gold is of, yes, you're going to see some skeletons that come up and some demons that start to come to the surface. But that's the whole process Mm -hmm. is sitting with those, being able to see those and love those understanding they're a part of you and they just need to be seen Mm -hmm. and if we can see those darker parts then it's much easier to see the lighter parts of ourselves as well
1: yeah exactly and if we don't recognize the shadow it just comes out sideways anyways so it only Mm -hmm. hurts you in the long run it's like you avoiding it doesn't change that it's there it will still come out so if we just accept that you know parts of our shadow will be there and and not put a story around it we just know that it's there and that's just part of being human that we will always have Shadow in one form or another, and and just recognizing that it it still makes us who we are, and we're still worthy and lovable and all the things.
0: One thing you said is that you help people to see their essence. Mm-hmm. I want, th- I think that's a really good word to use because something I've noticed over this journey of like helping people recognize their gifts is that not all the time are they hard skills or gifts. Mm-hmm. Like it's not always like you're good at this or you're good at this. It's mm-hmm. like you have such a loving energy. Yes. Or like you have such a glowing essence mm-hmm. and like that is the gift. Mm-hmm. And knowing that like it's not necessarily what we do in life, but how we show up. Mm-hmm. And so it's like whether you were a hairstylist or an accountant, mm-hmm. it's like you're showing up as Kinsey and yeah. that is your gift in who you are. So for people to understand that a lot of times these gifts are literally an essence. Mm-hmm. It's like an energy of like who you are that you carry with you. And I think sometimes we overlook that. Yeah. Like totally. we overlook how
2: powerful and potent just pure energy, energy is. is. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant practice that you do because when people feel that essence, it's just normal to them, mm-hmm. Like they don't know that it's anything different or special. And so having a, like family point that out, Yeah, like, no, like this and, yeah. I don't notice I don't I don't notice this from anybody else. Like you're special in this way. Yes. And then people start to recognize like that Like, oh it is a gift. Yeah. We've talked about this multiple times and yeah. I think that's like a yeah, a great starting point for Yeah. For coaching.
1: Yeah. Because I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier about when when someone asks you, Who are you? We Mm -hmm. we tend to, I even did this in the beginning of this podcast. I talked about what I do for a living. That's not who I am. Mm. We identify with the things that are external from us, not like our our actual essence. And that's, Mm. I actually call myself an essence coach because I I think that that that. is like the root of everything. Because I'm like, if people actually lived from a place of their essence and not their career or their family. Like I did an exercise with... um, a coaching group where I was like, I did this. I was like, who are you? Tell me who you are. And they would like write out these these lists of like, I'm a mom, I'm an accountant, I'm this. And it was all of relationships, roles, and businesses, you know, things like that. And it's like, even people identify with the relationships we have. I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a, you know, X, Y, Z. And so if people actually lived from a place of their essence, I think it would bleed out into success in marriage, success mm-hmm. in being a mother or a father and, and in business. I think that that for me has, I've seen amazing results in living from that place and understanding spiritual gifts. I talk about like raw energy, like what did you come with to this earth with? Like some people are really great listeners. Some people are really, really great space holders. Some people are, you know, great at, they have a loving energy. And I'm like, that is 100% linked to your purpose. And so if you live from that energy, constantly connecting to it every day, it will bleed out into all areas. And it's like, it, it affects your success in business. Like you you think that <laughs> you want a marketing strategy? No, you need help with being who you are and owning that space. And then, you're, then that will take care of itself mm-hmm. later on.
2: You know how beautiful that would be? In a world where everyone sits down and when asked, who are you? They're like, oh, well, my name is Peyton. Yeah. But I'm actually going through this or I'm working through this. Instead of saying, oh, I'm Peyton and this is my job. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working through this. This mm-hmm. is, that, that would just be so much more, more potent. Yeah. And so much more important, you know. And listing just kind of like the, the surface, surface level things. Yes. Like really getting deep.
1: Like listing the characteristics that we have. Like, I am a strong, compassionate, loving, energy like saying that instead of i'm a hairstylist and i have done it for 13 years you know Uh like but it's not socially normal so i think people feel like they can't own their gifts they they say things like oh i'm i'm gonna list off my credentials that Mm -hmm. show that make me look like i'm worthy you know
0: i i think part of it is because that's what society rewards Mm -hmm. right it rewards those external skills that can you can monetize or that you can like expand which is all great but i think we are quickly shifting towards a society that's actually going to reward emotional output. Mm-hmm. It's going to reward connection and depth and vulnerability. And I think we'll start to see that that paradigm shift quite a bit through practices like what you're doing, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder, like what, what are your ultimate dreams and aspirations? Because for you, for sure, you're just beginning. Mm-hmm. You're just getting started. So what does the future look like for you? Like in- intuitively, what are you really building and moving towards?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I don't even know if I really like let myself dream big in that capacity. Um, I feel called to right now, just like one-to-one. I, I really, I'm kind of always been that kind of person. Like I care about the one and I, I, I don't necessarily need like a big stadium or any sort of like well-known impact. I just want to help the people that feel like they're drawn to me. Um, but I, I don't know. I maybe like some courses, some, you know, foundational content that can reach a broader capacity, but that's in an intimate way so that people can feel safe to, like, unpack themselves. And, like, I actually talk about this on my Instagram. I'm like, the two reasons why people don't embody their essence is, one, they are disconnected from themselves. They don't know. That's the first issue we've been talking about. And, two, is they haven't felt safe to. Mm -hmm. They've been taught that uh, who they are is not safe or lovable or worthy or you know some experience some form of trauma or rejection and so I think when when we can introduce this type of criteria in a safe way that people can feel like they can get to know themselves and slow down really really allow themselves to slow down and unpack things then I think that's where there can be some great impact and I'm okay with that like I'm okay with it being an impact that I don't necessarily get recognition for it's more just like If you feel safe, you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and you come back to yourself, that's all I need. But I mean, who knows? There could be something huge. I don't know,
0: but I think that's (laughs) so powerful. Yeah. Right. Because I think if you ask me in hearing that, I think what it does, it's very smart because in the way you're doing it, it keeps your intentions pure. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when you expand the vessel very quickly to reach a lot of people, it can get shaky in in, in working with that much energy. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're one-on-one in that container, A, it's way easier to create that safety, but B, you stay so true to yourself Mm -hmm. because you're dialed in, you're pure, and I think it can create a more potent impact one-on-one with people. Yeah. Because that's, that's how
1: it. I've operated always is I, I, I need that safety component in order to feel like I can really, truly shine and un- unpack some things from my past, too. And so I, I get that. I know what that feels like. And so I think that's why for me, I'm always drawn to that because I'm like, I am you. I get it. I know. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't want to lose any sort of integrity in, in that mission. And I don't want to do. I think there's like a, a fine line between like coaching and like trauma bonding sometimes. Like they really, like they're not trauma-informed mm-hmm. and they're like unpacking all these things that like people are not ready for. And so I really try to keep that um in the container too. Cause I'm like, you know, there are some things that need to be in therapy and, and certain situations that I'm not built for that, but I definitely want to hold space for people and, and make sure the integrity stays there, so.
0: So here's a question. Is safety a decision?
1: Mm yeah now that you ask yeah it really is yeah that's amazing
0: i think it's it's something i've really been thinking on of like the external and the container is so important it amplifies everything it's much easier to get into that space of safety but ultimately it's actually a personal decision yeah you decide in your heart no matter what that like i am safe Mm yeah no matter what yeah no matter what happens i am safe yeah And I think if we can start to actually kind of change that narrative a little bit and help people to recognize again, your ability to be safe is not dependent upon the container. Yeah. It will aid it. It will amplify it. But you being safe is solely on you. Yes. And I think that's like a powerful narrative we can start to shift.
1: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, because you're still safe regardless of how anyone reacts to you and any external... Circumstance, and when you teach yourself that that truth, yeah. And, it, and if
0: and if you know, if we don't feel safe within that, or if that's triggering for somebody, it's a call to then go deeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, then why don't you feel safe?
1: Mm-hmm. What's the story there? What's yeah. the so story. story?
0: If you don't believe that being safe isn't a decision; it's not on you. Then what's the story there? Mm-hmm. Now Let's go a little bit deeper, yeah. like to the points where you you don't feel safe, and yeah. let's look
2: at those. Mm-hmm. I think I think one big thing for me. Was when I when I recognized that I wasn't I didn't feel safe. I felt like I was being judged. And a good reminder that that I love like keeping in the back of my mind is any any judgment or perception or anything is just a reflection of the other person. Mm -hmm. So if I was doing something just because it made me happy and somebody else thought it was weird, that's a projection in a mirror of them. Mm -hmm. It's not me. So everything is like we're in our own little bubble and if you can choose to to realize that those attacks or judgments maybe some people aren't even judging you and you're putting that on you like when you're about to walk into a room you're like oh everyone's going to judge me and then actually really nobody yeah. nobody is looking yeah. at you yeah and, but then realizing if they do it's only a reflection of them yeah and so you can still be safe within yourself and choose that
1: yeah
2: but it's like almost like putting up that wall Mm-hmm. And not putting up emotional walls that people can't get through, but like a safety net to, to realize that you're safe within yourself and that everything is just a reflection of the other person.
1: Well, understanding other mm-hmm. people's judgments are a projection of their own shame, their own self-critical. Yeah. And I'm like, isn't it crazy that we allow our, ourselves to play so small and it affect our quality of life because of someone else's projection of their own shame? Mm-hmm. Like the kind of the simplicity of that statement, I'm kind of just like, what? Like right. we, we allow that. We allow ourselves to be so like Control. affected. Yeah. So like put in a cage over someone else's own view of themselves. And we think it means something about us. And like, I don't mean that to like sound trivial, but it, it kind of is yeah, when, and it's like, I, I get it. Cause I was there too. And I've, I've been there and we all have, we all care to some degree, but then we check ourselves and we're like, okay, like this, this is someone else's issue. This has something mm-hmm. to do with me. And my inherent value is for me to decide. Yeah. And, and the quality of my life is for me to decide and I, I cannot allow someone else's issues to yeah. affect how I live what anymore. were
2: What were some of your practices that you did to start distinguishing that um, that safety and that like barrier of like oh this is on you this is this is what I'm gonna do every day to feel safe within myself mm-hmm
1: at first, when I when I felt like um, I gone through some trauma that I, I needed to recreate the feeling of safety, I needed to understand what that felt like again. Um, I surrounded myself with people who who reminded me constantly of how worthy I am and how safe I am to be myself and to to let go. And so I think if it's really that bad, start there um, with being surrounded by people who who feel that like that energy. They they feel like a breath of fresh air. They feel like A big giant hug you know that you're just like okay i am i am okay here i think starting there was really really powerful for me but i just i had to kind of retrain my nervous system to not be so threatened by everything or anyone and and there were times when things would happen and i would get reactive but i would because i had experienced so much safety i would catch myself i'd be like okay this is this is the past talking to me telling me that you know, I'm not safe because it's unfamiliar. That's why Mm -hmm. it's not that it's actually unsafe. It's that it's trying to keep you comfortable. And so when I learned to, you know, again, go back to learning the language of intuition versus fear and the ego, I started to be like, okay, this, this is that language. And I would push forward anyways. Mm -hmm. I think it just comes down to a choice. I don't don't know if there was necessarily a a practice really was just, I guess it goes back to like meditation and learning those languages of your own soul. Um, and then getting out into life and experiencing it, allow yourself to be triggered and move through it anyway, and mm. and allow you know the voice to be quieted because then in that moment you teach yourself that you are safe. Mm-hmm. The trigger keeps you small and keeps you feeling unsafe. If you move through it, you. you know. Did
2: you find yourself doing that almost like purposefully looking for things that did trigger you, and yeah. so you could so you could overcome yeah. them?
1: Yeah, but also at the same time, I was kind of pushed. Like I, it felt like right. it was like a a gentle like love in the universe like here you go here's your chance to grow here's an opportunity yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and I I would always just take it I was like this is a blessing like I would not be so upset anymore the way I used to view it just being like oh this is so hard mm-hmm. like I would I'd see everything as a trial whereas now I was like I see it as a gift and I'm like this is my opportunity to change and I catch my voice saying that now I say that to myself anytime something is hard or I have a bad day or you know whatever I'm like this is an opportunity mm. this is a gift yeah and so recognizing did you.
0: Place. I'm curious, in this process, did you resonate a lot with the archetype of like a warrior?
1: I don't know if I ever really like...
0: Cause you know what's so crazy is that totally comes across when you're talking. It's like, it's very much this warrior energy, this mentality of like, I am training to become Mm -hmm. literally fit for service, to become this warrior who can stand up against darkness. Cause you talk a lot about like, I think sometimes on the spiritual journey, it's easy to get confused, that it's like this loving, effortless flow mm-hmm. and like fairy hippy dippy, and then yeah. <laughs> a lot of times it's just like you get punched in the face, and mm-hmm. it's like a training, yeah. and you're actively, constantly looking at these programs and triggers, but then overriding them and doing mm-hmm. training to regulate your nervous system, mm-hmm. and I think it's very much like that's the path of a warrior. Yeah. So I don't know if you've ever resonated with that, but that definitely comes through when you're talking. Oh, I love that. Is this like warrioress? This. This this woman who's just so confident mm-hmm. in her power that she's built, yeah. in her power that she's crafted, Thank in her you. power that she had to fight for. Like I think that's one of your gifts for sure to see people, but your power was something you intentionally actually had to craft and mold and work for mm-hmm. and because of that it's that much more precious to you
1: oh thank you well my zodiac chart actually has as you're talking i was thinking about this um chiron in eighth house which is wounded warrior that mm. was definitely and it's something that my a person who read my chart to me was like actually I wasn't going to talk about this but it's really really interesting that that the purpose of my life is to to experience wound and then heal and wound and heal and transform that process and get better at it and faster at it yeah and at first when I first heard that I was like are you freaking kidding me like (laughs) that's (laughs) the purpose of my life but I have like as I've seen it now and kind of experienced certain things I was like no like this is a blessing and a gift and it's something that I've learned to transcend and i see the shadow as just unresolved light you know you just need to shine light on it and bring yeah. it to transmitted yeah. light so yeah it is in my chart so
0: yeah that's <laughs> my purpose i think as part of your future too yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if you launch it like a warrior program well, with the women you work with
1: you're so nice Thank um,
0: you. are there any what's the word i want to use are there any like demons or darkness that you're avoiding in your life that you feel like you're needing to face and resolve
1: Hmm. I hmm, probably should journal on that more. Um, I think my biggest one was uh, fear of being alone. Mm. And that has been my process lately. Um, I went through a personal uh, improvement program like four years ago. And I remember talking about my fear of being alone. I don't really know where it came from. But I remember asking that and he looked at me and he's like, what's so bad about being alone? And I could never answer the question. I was like, I have no, I have no answer for you. Like, I don't, what do I say? (laughs) Like, what am I scared of? So that was actually kind of funny because I remember being like, I'm scared of this thing, but I don't know why, you know? Mm. And I think maybe it had to do with, you know, feeling unworthy or unlovable or, um, you know, fear of my own power. So many things. And so what's been beautiful about this whole process is, like, I chose it. I chose mm. to be alone. I, like, stepped in and I was, like, and I would say to myself over and over again, it's just you now. It's just you now. And and I stopped being triggered by that phrase and being, like, I'm stoked. Like, mm. it's just me. And, like, I got me. And so I think that has been probably my That's a
0: powerful biggest shift.
1: demon. Yeah yeah is it,
0: isn't that wild though that that shift is you could really simplify it and say that's just a mental program
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's literally just a mental shift yeah it's not any crazy practice you have to implement into your life or some massive spiritual ch- it's like it's a mental program mm-hmm. that you're just rewriting and shifting
1: because it was just a story i, I, I attached some story some meaning to something that was happening and i i to kind of see trauma that way i'm like it isn't necessarily always what happens to us it's with the meaning we sign mm-hmm. to it that happened to us that makes it so big and dark and scary. And then when you kind of unpack the story and you're like, you like look at the sentence out, like I'm so scared of being alone or I'm scared of being alone makes me feel unworthy. You're just like, well, why? And then you just like flip it. And if you change the belief, all of a sudden you're like, you flip from victim to creator and you're like, I now have the power. And so I've I've started to get comfortable with flipping stories often and actually like literally writing the story in opposite form. I would just—that's that easy. Yeah. Just the program, just changing the story in opposite form to be true.
0: Yeah, and so. and, I, and I think that's a power. I used to do that with people, like a take a piece of paper and divide it in half, right? Two columns, mm-hmm. and the left side write down all of your limiting beliefs, all of your doubts, your weaknesses, whatever is really just eating at you. Now on the right, write the opposite of that belief, mm-hmm. right? And then take those beliefs as affirmations every day and really start to work on recreating and rewriting that story Mm -hmm. and it's almost too simple to believe that it works yeah but it really is just mental programs that Mm -hmm. we're we're flipping and switching and transmuting and it's i I think that's part of the spiritual battle we're in right now Mm -hmm. it's a battle of media it's a battle of mental programs it's a battle of programming and it's like whoever is the loudest at the end of the day Mm -hmm. which i think right now negativity is loudest Mm -hmm. even though it's like two percent of the population like I wildly believe in humanity. I think we're so inherently good. Mm-hmm. I think people really want to be loving. I think people really want to just connect. I think people really just want to shine. But negativity is so much louder. Yeah. And so if we can start to crank up the volume on positivity and start to shout those stories even louder and those beliefs, I think that's where we can see a massive transformation.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. What was empowering for me was to understand that the brain is just a computer program. And it goes back to like all we were talking about. It just wants to keep us safe. And if we understand that it's just a computer program and you can download a new one, you're not chained to how you're living. You're not chained to how you think or feel. You have the ability... To completely shift that, and it's like it just download a new program. You have mm-hmm. a, you can have a virus right now if it's not working for you. You want to see it in that negative light, and be like this virus is keeping me small. And You download a new program, and it's like I'm upgraded. It's truly that simple. The brain is really malleable and easy to train.
2: It is that simple. Yeah. Just saying, you know, I don't, I don't like the way that I'm looking at the world right now. Okay, then mm-hmm. change that. Mm-hmm. Wake up and, and reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. And say, okay, well then I'll choose to look at it in a positive way. It's, it's a habit that you have to work on, but it is super simple. And I think people over, over, over complicate it. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, we get into the the woods and and the murky water of, of trying to overcomplicate just the simple fact that it's all within you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. and the thoughts determine the quality of your life. So if you want your quality of life to change, change your thoughts. Mm -hmm. It's where it all starts from. Mm
0: -hmm. It's super simple. Yeah. What does your ideal future look like? Like for the world, for humanity?
1: Oh, for humanity. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if we were all just living from a place of essence? That's what I want. <laughs> if we all recognize that we were all put here with a different set of unique gifts and we don't have to do it like anyone else does it. And that, you know, there's so many colors of the rainbow, there's so many different colors of crayons. Like, we all can be different and, and take up space for a certain purpose and use that purpose to push humanity forward. And mm. instead of feeling like we have to be performative, or you know, put on a mask to be accepted in a certain way and be the negativity and be the loudest because yeah. I think that often can be rooted in, in wanting purpose and value. They want to be the voice for change and they're just going about it in, in a different way. And I'm like, if it isn't working, why don't we try doing it in the positive way? Why don't we get you back to yourself and that you speak this language of love and peace and joy and then that pushes humanity forward instead of everything that's wrong with the world. That's my, my dream, mm, my ideal no, that's world. Probably. That's a good dream.
0: That's a good <laughs> that's idea. a yeah. solid dream. <laughs> yeah. I would like to, and it's been an hour already. Can you believe that? Wow. Jeez. I would like to end with this question of like, cause for some reason, I feel like a lot of people listening to this and a lot of people you're reaching are literally in the spot you were at mm-hmm. like years ago or even six months ago. So looking back at that and being where you are now, like speaking back to Kinsey, like what would you say to her? What would what, what would be the advice? What would be the message you would give?
1: Well, oh, so many things. I don't. How do I choose one? Um, say all of them to to myself. I would say the thing that you want is on the other side of your fear, um, and be brave enough to step into the unknown because the cave holds the treasure you seek, yeah. and I believe that so wholeheartedly. And, um just trusting that the direction that I was going and where I was at, where I was being pushed to would lead me to exactly where I want to go. And that this feeling of confidence and peace and just, you know, Mm self-acceptance is worth any pain or any fear or any uncertainty in the world. And I would do it 10 times over to experience this. So if you haven't experienced that, just trust that like, Going in the direction of the fear. The one thing that you're avoiding is probably the one thing that you need to deal with mm-hmm. and face. And I think people kick and scream and fight and, you know, punch against it. And if they would just allow, then the scarier thing, what feels scarier isn't as scary as you think it is. Mm. And, you know, back to choose your heart. It's yeah. hard to stay where you're at and it's hard to grow. But which one's harder? You know? Oof. <laughs> Mic drop. Yeah.
0: That was powerful. Choose because your heart. I yeah. love that. All that's just I, us. <laughs> this collective sigh of like, oh, it's okay.
1: <laughs> We're gonna be good. We this did that. Is,
0: I'm so glad you came on. Cause Same. it's like it just it reminds me of and this isn't downplaying your success, but a lot of times we want like these great public figures of like mm-hmm. the ones that give society permission yeah and then i rub shoulders with you know average people like me and you who the are hobbies. doing the same level of work yeah. who are on the same journey in making in my mind just as big of an impact and it, it shows the importance of you being you yeah because we need that hmm so thank you
1: thanks thank you well
0: everybody thanks for tuning in to sacred odyssey it's been a great episode yeah. um Kenzie, where can people find you check you out
1: um on instagram at mckenzie hair Co. i'm actually gonna be changing my handle, mm. so i will give you an update Rebrand. when i change that um also uh my personal is mc double underscore Kenzie. instagram tiktok mckenzie hair Co. yeah
0: and are you accepting clients yes So if you resonated with what she said, which some of you will go check her out, follow her socials, hit her up so she can guide you on your beautiful sacred odyssey. And until next time, everybody be vulnerable, be raw, share your heart and let's change this world. Ciao. Peace.
1: Bye.